Oh, Father, we bless you this evening. We just, we honor you again. We come before you again. We will never grow weary of coming to you because you are the source of life. You are the giver of life. The more we come, the more we live. So we, we love you. We we, uh, we honor your presence with us through your spirit, by the spirit of your son. Lord, even the, the spirit of the Lord, the Lord is that spirit, that spirit which was present tonight to bless us. And it's from you. We know that every good gift, every perfect gift coming down from above, even from you, the Father of light, to whom there is no variableness, no shadow. Lord, Father, you never turn from blessing. You never turn down an opportunity to bless. Come and take the chance tonight to bless us again, to bless us afresh. Lord, in just this little fellowship we have, we use words again like you always do, Lord, to open up portals, doors of great impartation of great blessing for every heart, for every soul. We look to you. We trust in you. We trust in you, our Father, that you will bless us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We give all the praise. Come and bring more insights, Lord, as we communicate, we we'll discuss into the, the law, the principle, the spirit of, of fellowship. Even as revealed to us, even in the scripture, come and shed light, bring insight, bring revelation. Thank you, O oh Father. We give you glory. We honor your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. All right. Good evening, everybody. Can everyone still hear me? Just making sure. Okay. Yes, yes. Yes, sir. Ah, all right. Thank you. Okay. So we can um, continue. I I just felt last week, even though we um, discussed a little bit, I, I also felt that we should still pick up the conversation again this week about um, fellowship. Uh, that's where our chapter chapter 11 of the manual we're using and um, so for those who weren't here last week i think we um we had a few questions um from some of the brethren i think about um if i'm not mistaken about four sorry maybe five questions so um that came um, Brother Wesley, I think he asked about the um, fellowship. Uh, I think your question was around First Corinthians uh, chapter one, verse um, nine about the fellowship of the Son, um, the characteristic of that fellowship, and then he also asked a question after about um, knowing when fellowship is. Uh, broken. Um, how to detect that? How to know? Um, 
that when fellowship is, is broken, uh, I think Brother Michael asked um, a question about whether fellowship and the church are synonymous um, in the Bible. Um, David asks about um, also prosperity in fellowship, um, how to know when you are you're prospering um, at a certain level of fellowship. Um, Brother Tulu asked a similar question, but he was asking more about um, maybe transitions, maybe in fellowship when you're transitioning from one level to another in fellowship, how to know that you're transitioning. And also, there are some questions Brother Tulu asked that I don't think we really got to in terms of um, asking about suffering of Christ, I think, and um, how to understand different kinds of suffering, whether it's suffering of Christ or not suffering <laughs> of Christ. And uh, But we didn't really touch on that particular that particular one. Um, then I think the one final question came later, uh, which I read, I think um, someone asked whether it is healthy to lose appetite under the milk. Uh, when you're listening to milk administration, uh, I think that, that question came more from when um, I began to, began to speak and uh, some of the things I had said about um, moving from, from about different levels of fellowship and the importance of, and how the Lord can create tables of fellowship, um, even within the body, but um, create unique tables of fellowship and then allow certain brethren to be surrounded by a specific table where a certain level of food is um, is being ministered. I think that's where that question came from, about whether can someone lose appetite from drinking milk, <laughs> or for milk, um, because maybe they started fellowshipping with something higher. So um, I think maybe what I should do is ask somebody, I'm not sure who I'm going to ask now, but someone who to summarize, because I don't want us to lose the context of the things that were said last week. I think we we centered on 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm speaking about the wisdom of the body. And we saw how that is the core of the concept of fellowship is derived because of that organization um, which the Lord had by instituting the body, which he found a way to connect himself to that body through the person of the Lord Jesus. So I don't know, can someone just quickly help to do a summary of last week what we discussed just the main points um if you if you feel moved to do so you can just go ahead if not i'll call somebody but if you have it inside you you just feel maybe somewhere that, that summary is inside your <laughs> your heart you can just you can just go ahead and help us please um Hi, sir. Okay. It's, it's okay. Go ahead. Yes, yeah. yes, yes sir. sir. I might be scattered around, but I'll just try. Okay. Yeah. Yes, sir. So you spoke about, um, I believe, with David's question, answer to this question on how to tell that you are growing. 
Then from I understood, I understood from what you said that to tell how someone is growing, especially within fellowship, is hard. That you can only tell through your understanding that if your understanding is increasing. And when it comes to charity, that one is probably harder to discern because that one will probably be in the aspect of the Lord. And um, you also spoke about fellowship in terms of the milk and the meat of the word. That as you're fellowshipping, let's say, in the foundational principles of the oracles of God in milk, that you shouldn't be tired of milk, that milk is orchestrated by the Holy Spirit especially mm. in every local assembly, that to tell that someone is taking good milk, I believe you read a scripture about loving all the saints, that a person that's taking good milk should be able to love all the saints, that if an individual is taking, like, let's say, meat of the word, word of righteousness, that shouldn't mean that you should downplay the foundational principles which is orchestrated by the Holy Spirit. And the body is like an organism. So basically, like as we fellowship, that each person should be fellowshipping with each other in a local assembly, that as a believer, just because you're listening to higher, higher food, that doesn't mean that you neglect, obviously, the foundational principles, the milk of the word. And uh, I'm trying, so let me see if I can... Uh, okay, so I've tried. I think that's where I could cover a bit. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, I can go bless you. <laughs> no problem, sir. Okay, okay, so can someone just help too? Um, there was a lot more. Okay, Stephanie, please go ahead. I see your hands up. Hello, good evening, sir. Good evening, everyone. Um, so tying into <laughs> okay. So tying into um, the first Corinthians 12. So that chapter really focuses on the body and the different parts of the body and the roles that they play. One of the things we got to see last week was regardless of the position or a part of the body, whether it's like the least, maybe it's the pinky or it's a major part, it all has like an important role. One of the key things that I did get from that conversation is how the Lord weighs value. He weighs value on the life that is being trapped and not necessarily the position itself. Um, so if the eye, um, it has a role to play. So just because the eye is a significant part doesn't mean it has more value than the pinky. It just means that in the office in which the part of the body is positioned, they all have, there are different roles that the body depends on. Mm. One of the other things that we looked at was um, the body is a moving organism. Contra like it's constantly, I guess, meta. We use caterpillar and we show how over time we can turn into a butterfly. But just as the body of Christ as well, it hasn't come to its complete state. So the state of perfection has not yet been reached. So as we grow and evolve as a body, parts would move. So a part of the body that may be performing list now, the Lord might decide that this part will play a bigger role in future. And it's just 
how, you know, it's how the movement is. And um, it's the Lord Jesus himself that would determine what part each member of the body plays, what role they contribute towards the body per time, per season. We also looked at submission. We looked at the importance of submission. Um, and the analogy that we used was the fingers submitting to the palm with the forearm to the hand. And we saw that that positioning of each member submitting in their appropriate um, order is very instrumental and the Lord has had it so. You know, one of the things I was touched on as well was shepherds. Um, the shepherds have their role. They're still a part of the body, but they have a role to oversee, you know, the flock as well. So there was emphasis there. Um, the other thing we talked about was not just within maybe a uh, a table of fellowship that yeah. in the body in terms of the overall church, we have different segments. We have like parts of the church where people are gathering and they're fellowshipping based on an emphasis the Lord is trying to bring. It could be maybe milk in that season. There might be an emphasis depending on what the Lord has in store. We saw that it is possible that a group or a, I would say a community of believers can be brought together to a table to fellowship on something higher. And this is needful. And we use the analogy of the blood circulation in the body. And we saw that vital organs, they need more oxygen as opposed to maybe, maybe the pinky or the toe may not need as much um, oxygen pumped into it like maybe the brain. So we saw that it is necessary for the body that there will be those members that are partaking on higher meals. But there are also things that are um, in other members of the body that we all need to share and fellowship in that has other emphasis. And tying to what Akin already touched about, where we talked about um, the importance of local church and how this is a common ground and um, it prevents things from spoiling generally. So if we can all like fellowship with that union of the basics principle of we all have that Holy Spirit, that things deposited in us that um, we can all share in the fellowship and it would be a rounded blessing for the overall body. Um, yes, so those are some of the main things that I remember. I don't remember how we wrapped up, um, but yeah, that's just a summary that I can pick from last week. Thank you, Stephanie. Well, thank you so much, Stephanie. That was awesome. Um, okay, is there somebody else? Please, I still, um, let me just... Anyone pick something that wasn't mentioned in the two summaries we just had? Um, good evening, sir. Yes, good evening. Hello. Yes. Um, good evening, everyone. So I I remember a few things from the last um, session. I'll just go with what mm -hmm. I remember. Um, so we spoke about what fellowship is. Um, I basically took that fellowship is the principle of interaction with every member in the family of God. And mm -hmm. God being the head of the family, he is the Godhead. And mm -hmm. you can't take him out of the Trinity. Um, I also remember that we are baptized with the Holy Ghost because of Jesus. And this is what makes Jesus the head of the church and the body. Um, not the Father, not the Holy Ghost, but Jesus. Um, I also, I don't remember how you said this, but 
um, a sort of binding factor of the fellowship is communion. Um, yeah. Honestly, don't remember how you went in depth on that, but yes, that's something I took. And as Stephanie said, you mentioned that it's important for everyone to be part of a church um, denomination, so to say. But because you're part of a different church doesn't mean that you can't fellowship with other believers. Like if you go to a different church other than the one you currently attend. Um, so that's something that I took out um, from the last session. Yes, thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much. Bless you. All right, all right. Okay. Well, what I would do now is for those people who ask questions, so, um, because while the, I guess I was speaking last week, I I I felt some of these questions would have been answered um, in your hearts. Um, but I want to I want to get a sense that we're not leaving anything behind before we maybe take more questions today. So I would just ask the folks, like Wesley, you remember your questions from last week, and if you feel there are answers. Um, can you just maybe summarize what was your answer, the answer you felt you got from your question, and then just briefly, what if there, there are things outstanding from your question, you can also state that so we can note that and we won't let it. Yeah, please. Uh, good evening, sir. Good evening. Um, I believe you answered uh, my questions because I asked um, two Okay. The first one was about um, First Corinthians chapter one, where he says that God is faithful, who has called us to the fellowship of His Son. Yeah. And then the second one was, um, I believe, how can you know? Um, or how did I put it? I forgot. I think I said, um, your life you can be out of fellowship, <clears throat> but you can still just feel like you're okay, you know. So, yes, I, what was the gauge? Um, so based on based on last teaching, what um, everything you said, um, I think Stephanie said something very key that the body is, uh, you know, that metamorphosis occurs in the body, mm. um, both for, I believe, it occurs both for, um, you know, God can, with His own wisdom, you know decide where he places people in the body, both for, um, in terms of, like you said, the gifts or the administrations of the gifts or the um, operations of the gifts. So in his wisdom, he can say, okay, you pinky, don't be a pinky, become this, you know, you know in that sense. Yes. Sir. Um, but I also believe that even in the sense of food, because you said that no man can um, just up and leave one spot, but um, if, if God wants you to yeah. come into a higher table, mm. a higher communion where you have to fellowship, and when I use the word fellowship, now I'm talking about in terms of food with um yeah. at a higher grade, He has the ability to do that. So yes, I see that tying into the calling where yeah. He can he, maybe you've perfected milk at a level or you've perfected meat, then He can. He can, you know, with his wisdom, he can call you into a higher, into a higher um, table. Um, yes, I don't know who mentioned it. I think Stephanie also, where uh, you you mentioned that if you that it's actually um, proven that if you take a um, 
a blood or a cell in the body, you can actually know where it came from. And you said that um, in the body, you know, like it's the same life, but well, basically some some places have like a higher oxygen. You can tell, okay, this place came from the head. You know, so I believe in that sense, God can say, okay, hey, you can move up in terms of life, in terms of food, in terms of table. That is, so I think that was answered. And then I think the other one, um, you, I think this was at the beginning. I think the first few words you even said um, just stood out to me. You said how you know fellowship or how you're doing well in fellowship is how you relate with the body, how you're keeping the, the, um, the almost like if you're in a fold or if you're mm. part of the body, your relationship with other parts mm. is a huge marker of um, you know, as long as the synergy of the body, no schism, as um first Corinthians chapter 12 will say, like everything is flowing. So uh, I think that's kind of stood out to me because you just touched on when I met, like how because again, I was thinking it's probably something i don't know what i wanted to hear but i just wanted to hear something but once you said that i don't know if you were really directing it to what i asked but it stood out to me that yeah. it's a very good marker or this is a very good way of knowing if you're really in fellowship you know because you said that if you're in fellowship with the body um yeah. and also you're in fellowship with jesus who is the head who is also the whole point is for all of us to align on that God. So I, th I think that kind of just answered my question. So I, I think that I, I'm okay in terms okay. of what I was looking for. Okay, okay. thank you, sir. <laughs> um, all right, Michael, you asked the question about um, fellowship and church as used in the Bible, if they are synonymous. Are you there yes, today? Sir. Okay. Yes, sir. So did you get an answer for that? Yes, sir. Um, I think you did a very uh, explicit um, and thorough job um, in um, explaining that. And I mean, I guess um, everyone has sort of touched on it too as well, you know, where um, you were pretty much, you know, outlining that um, there definitely is a relationship between um, fellowship and and church. And, you know, like the, I think one of the things you you kind of mentioned was that, you know, like, I mean, I don't know if you said it, you know, explicitly, but like how it sat to my heart was more saying like the, the real, you know, definition of what a church is and the spirit is those who, um, those who have communion around a particular type of table, right. Yeah. You know that, you know, there, there's a table of, of the milk, the table of the meat and strong meat spirit. Right. Um, I think you kind of, you know, you, you laid a lot of emphasis there, right? Saying, you know, of course, like when you fellowship around that table, you also have um, certain brethren or certain people who are also fellowshipping in, you know, around that same table. And yeah. also you have fellowship with them, you know, in that table too, right? You know, it's like how John would say, those whom I fellowship in the truth, right? The, you know, the table around fellowshipping is around that that place. But then I also went further to, you know, also saying that, you know, there's also, you know, the actual actual church being like maybe like a local church, right? Yeah. And also saying that we also, you know, um also have fellowship there too, because though maybe you might be your real source might be maybe a higher table, maybe you might you might have 
fellowship really, really in um, around the meat, but mm. also to you also still have fellowship in the milk and around this, those who also, you know, fellowship around there because of the Holy Ghost, which they all have, which you also have, right? And that also forms a basis for fellowship in that realm as well, mm. right? And so, you know, you also said to that, one thing that we should be careful of as we journey and we, you know, move tables or as we switch tables is also to be conscious too of that fact too, that because, you know, the Lord has helped you to, you know, and you have found mercy to fellowship around this certain table doesn't negate the fact too that, you know, you put the other table aside or you ignore the fellowship of that other one, right? Because, um, you know, you mentioned something about, you know, that there's also the importance of mixing right mm. in the church right so that um you know to allow the lord to also create avenues for you know those also who the lord wants to reach to be able mm. to find higher tables too as well right and um yeah not to go you know too long but um yes i think uh my question was very thoroughly answered sir thank you sir thank you sir thank you michael god bless you um, David, you asked about prospering in fellowship. Um, was your question answered? Yes, sir. Um, yeah, my question was answered. I, I believe. Um, I, my question. I mean, I, my question exactly was, what does it mean to prosper, and also like, how can you tell if you're prospering? In, for instance, I was trying to differentiate it between prospering in like fellowship with, for instance, the brethren versus yeah. with like the Holy Spirit or, or like with God. That was sort yeah. of how my question was. But um as the main answer like or, or how it stood out to me when you were, you were talking was the was food. Um yeah. how we how we tell that we're prospering is basically by basically our how our, our satisfaction level or um, our hunger or our taste buds for the food or, or the provision that God is giving us. So I guess um, for for me, how I'm seeing it is that um, to tell that, okay, I'm I'm moving or I'm growing. And you also mentioned something that is the Holy Ghost that will determine or move us, that the Holy Ghost is the one that is in charge of mobility in yeah. the body. So, um, so as we grow or as we prosper, our, our desire or our hunger, our taste, would change or yeah. become or will be will desire more or will hunger for something more and or a higher type of food and um and the Lord as He wills will move us to the next allocation or to the next table as as He sees fit and just that that place of of ensuring that we're, we're, at least we have appetite or and that we're doing well in what we're eating at at the at, at the current time is sort of like the marker and then also like uh, uh, the sort of uh, I also asked you also asked my other question when you talk about how like um fellowshipping with brethren how our souls desire or there's a need in our soul to fellowship with other believers with other Christians and I guess the seeing the prosperity in fellowshipping how you tell prosperity in fellowship with others is that of course you desire to fellowship with others as well as yeah. your communion and your engagement or your love I'll say so right yeah. your love like the like you also mentioned Ephesians 115 I think where you're talking about love for all saints where you were describing how you, you move from milk 
to the next level. So I'm guessing your love work or your love level is sort of like the marker or the indicator for how you're prospering in fellowship with the brother. Let me just stop there. But yes, sir, thank you so much, sir. I think uh, I was, that's it. Thank you, sir. God bless you. Um, okay. Um, I think Bratulu asked a few questions. Um, Bratulu? Yes, sir. Are you there, sir? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Good, evening, sir. Good, good evening, sir. So, it, out of the questions you asked, uh, I know you asked one about suffering. I, yes, sir. Um, and you asked about um, maybe hastiness or being complacent, uh, you know, in your graduation or fellowship and then transition. So, did you feel, do you get answers? Yes, sir. Uh, um, I think uh, my question was the last um, one you, uh, we were treating before um, we ended the class last week. Um, but um, some of the answers I got uh, from number one concerning yeah. transition uh, yeah. was that um, how do I know um, how, how, how can I keep track of my transition from one season yeah. to another. Uh, yes. So you you spoke about focusing on the food, that the yeah. food we determine um, is is a major indicator and is this is um, yeah. to show my transition. And yeah. then you spoke more about um, the wisdom in feeding and yeah. um, you talk about um, the tables, how to design the table, um, yeah. some of the things, the ethics, as well, in which um, earlier you made mention that um, the enemy does not want um, us or, um, to know these things so that we can break them. And then also talk about um, some of the indices to um, um, also show transition is my capacity of comprehension mm. and how I'm able to see the Lord Jesus better, which yeah. I saw as the major key. Um, mm in uh, my personal growth and then transition. Then you also talk about how I relate um, with food. And then mm. you made mention of um, um, some people will be served food. Uh, maybe if the appetite um, is being reduced, you, you, mm. you spoke around um, that area very well. And then mm. you talk about um, food um, being divided into knowledge and doctrine as well. So for me, um, you um, really did um, justice to the transition and then um, the other question. So um, the other part was the um, suffering aspect, which was not touched. So I want to thank you so much, sir. Thank you, sir. So just to get the real question about suffering, what was that question? Is, is it hard to tell if what you're going through is actually suffering of Christ or if it's something that... Okay. Yes, yes, that was the question. Then um, the other question to that um, from Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, mm. um, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship yes, of his suffering. So mm. I'm still talking on the aspect of the fellowship. Yeah. Um I want to ask if um, that um, the fellowship of his suffering, if it yes. is um, um, because after 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 the class last week, I was just uh, meditating on on that scripture, 
And um, the way I was saying it is um, uh, more or less like a season whereby one is changing garments um, okay. or something. So I, I want to ask, is there, um, is there a way whereby um, even when Preventure one is in that season, one can mm. get to a stage whereby it will, one will get to, um, one will, the attitude will be with joy. Because I, I also remember that recently you were, you were talking about um, that, um, um, our, our the, the way we should embrace such, such season should be with joy. So, mm. uh, so I want to ask that, um, what are the wisdom around it? Um, so yeah. that uh, one will be able to maximize the season and then that it will now become a way of life. Yeah. So, um, that, that's the question concerning, um, the suffering. So then, okay. um, also, uh, based on the table that, um, we discussed last week too, I um, had a few meditation immediately after the class, which, um, I just want to why why you are talking and I was just I just saw how um the 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 larger table um in, in um for the body of Christ yes, in, um in comparison with the Holy Spirit that you talk that there is a common table that regardless of the table we are feeding uh, on as um as a company that uh, we must be able to relate with the body. So and then uh, which is fellowship, and yeah. then also I now saw um, also that has to do with the personal table to which is the personal communion. Um, yeah. Still talking about fellowship. So talking about um, so the question is that I know that physically there are some um, dining etiquettes yeah. um, which um, um, are some culture that provincial. Yeah. Um, um, in some settings um, or that differs from one region to another, there are yeah. some lessons that needs to be, you know, learned um, in the physical, I mean, uh, dining etiquette. So, um, so my question is that um, how can I also ensure that the table that is set before me, uh, knowing that there are enemies, uh, according to some um, 23, that that yeah. thou, thou, thou set a table before me in the presence of my enemy, and yeah. so how how can I um, be able to get um, the food? I mean, the actual what, what are the etiquette? What are the ethics that I need to observe so that I can I can hit the 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 food to the fullness, and then so that yeah. it will aid my growth. So. Um, the application of this is uh, I discovered that probably eventually maybe during um, teachings like this, there are some thoughts that may not even be related to what we are saying. And those things, they are just like distraction. So yeah. um, so the question is that what can I do to ensure that I am getting the fullness of uh, from the table that is being served, whether from the personal table, from the table, from the company or from the body? Okay, sir. Mm, thank you, sir. Um, okay. Thank you so much, sir. So we'll trust the Lord to to help us uh, again today with this. Uh, quickly, there was one last question towards the end. Um, I think it was from, I think, Rafemi. 
about um, if it's healthy to lose appetite. Um, maybe if you're under the administration of milk, maybe because the Lord has moved you to um, to fellowship from um, um, from a higher table. That and if you are beginning to have that feeling where when you're you're not hearing what you think milk is. You're now you're losing appetite for milk. Whether is that healthy? So I, I think that question was from Femi. I think. Yes, uh, right. Sir. Are you on? Yes. Okay, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, you were spot on. Um, when when I asked the question, the question came when um, you were really talking about the importance of a local church. Yes, sir. Um, uh, when you were speaking about not um, your ability to be able to fellowship regardless uh, of where you find yourself and yes. especially when you have been um been listening to the word of righteousness and yes. you now find yourself um that there might be signs where um essentially you were just speaking about why the local church is still important and why we should not neglect such fellowship yes. um, and, and so that was where it came what that was yeah. where question came and i think you did clarify that question and um you were you were speaking about you were also speaking about where um you know there is in you were also talking about i think when after i asked the question you were now clarifying that it is you made a distinction that is possible that what you're hearing is actually not the milk but vomit yeah. Uh, and yeah. you verify that it is unhealthy for you yeah. to get tired of milk. Yes, uh, that's in the true sense, uh, milk in the true sense, and which we uh, you did mention, you know, trusting God, uh, um, walking by faith and trusting God for your needs and all of those things that yeah. those things are still important. Yes, and really the basics of your of your of your uh work with god and it's something that must be um that you should never get tired of yes um, i think you did clarify that so so thank you so much and you did also say that um it is something that one must always be hungry yes uh, about it's even after you've been listening to the word of righteousness you should never get tired of it so so thank you. I think you did justice to that and did clarify those things. Uh, the, some of the questions I had in mind. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you. Sir. That was a very important question. I'm really happy you asked that question because I feel this is one sneaky area the devil, you know, uses when um, the season comes to to eat from a higher table that the enemy can begin to create some kind of uh, subtle disdain for maybe just basic things, um, milk and all. And so uh, I think what I was saying was, like you said, uh, that it's healthy. Like as we are all adults here, what we all drink milk still, either in your cereal or the truth is that milk is so rich with certain um, vitamins and minerals that that some of them is if you want to go and find other food that has those things that milk had it might be quite difficult to get so we still use milk but another key aspect of it is that milk once you begin to move feed for the higher table means you have grown so begin to maybe eat the meat of the world means your 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 body your soul now 
needs is has gotten to a season where heaven we need to require more difficult work from your soul to do in terms of righteousnesses to fulfill and you need the right food for that so you, you can one can be in a season where you enjoy the milk the milk is lovely healthy for you but the milk will not satisfy you at some point any longer is after drinking milk you appreciate it you don't have a disdain for it you don't lose appetite for it but you can after drinking milk you should still feel hungry that's a sign that you've actually grown and you're becoming you know more mature is that after drinking milk milk no longer satisfies all the needs anymore that there's still some um hunger some appetite for something more so so you can have both you can have um you can appreciate the milk which you should and you know enjoy the milk at the same time still have hunger for something more than milk amen um i'll just we'll go a bit further today i will ask i will open for more questions um first but first of all i just want to um acknowledge um all the our pastors here in canada um, um pastor femi somebody and his wife pastor Wimmy, um out in edmonton and pastor ceci paul and pastor busala's wife i'm out in saskatoon i love you Love you, Sas. Um, thank you for uh, what you're doing and your contribution to helping all of us, moving us, moving us forward. Pastor Bukumi in Winnipeg and Pastor um, Tovia. Um, God bless you. I love you so much. Um, thank you so so much for for all that you are doing. And thanks, Pastor Bukumi, especially because you're the one who took us through this chapter that we are just trying to summarize and you did such an awesome job teaching that um, so god bless you sirs um so i think let's see if we have questions do we have questions maybe based on some of the things that were said yesterday uh, last week maybe fresh questions from from anyone maybe in your meditation okay we have one from uh, Uncle John. Please go ahead, Sam. Pastor, good evening. It's actually me. Okay, ma. Good evening, ma. Um, okay, so my question, I actually want to take my question um from back when we were in sanctification. Um, okay. Pastor Femi mentioned something and kind of also tie it into fellowship. So mm. Pastor Femi mentioned something about us. Um being very serious with our work and he said we should distance ourselves from people who torment our work and make jest of it mm. um, because of how you know serious and important it is and mm. then you know coming he said though we should do that in love anyway but mm. then coming into fellowship now um you know you've mentioned this again and again about how it's important to of course, love our brethren and that this is our family, kind of. Yeah. Um, not that our, you know, natural, fam biological family, let me use that word, is not important, but like this is, you know, very important, like our brethren that we are hearing the same thing um, and all. So my question is this, you know, tying those two together, what if the people who are making jest of our work right now 
mm. happens to be our biological family. What if, you know, constantly I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do my fellowship work with my brethren, love my brethren, and I'm getting a lot of pushback from mm. my biological family, my parents or my sister or my brother or something, you know, my biological you know, sister or my biological brother? What if I'm trying to really, you know, obey the laws of fellowship and sanctification and, you know, you know, and I'm always getting jested at, you know, by my parents, they're always talking down on the fact that I'm a member of life meetings or EGFM generally. Um, but mm. I really, really want to do this thing. So how do I go about it? How do I, and maybe this has been a situation for years. Like it doesn't even matter if I'm changed well, in fact, the more I change, the more it infuriates them, the more I become better, you know, working in love and everything, you know, it, the more it infuriates my family, you know, they, they can't stand it. They use harsh words on me and all of that. Yes, How do I go about it? Um, that's just my question, sir. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, Ma. That is a very important question. Thank you so much. Um, okay, any other one? Please. Um, Hello, Pastor. Yes. Uh, so I do have a question. Um, it's a little bit similar to what you talked about, um, to Femi's question and also to Antonia's yeah. question. Yes. Is what's the wisdom, you know, when, you know, you find yourself, you know, around maybe let me just say is it fields now you know that you know you just your environment or surrounding yourself it could be family it could be it could be friends but you're just constantly being looked into you know a place where you know that this you're not interested in you know such a communion you know what's the wisdom to not break you know codes that like not still work in love and you know abstain or, or move move away from those kind of environment i don't know if my question makes sense yes okay so you you're, you're saying when it's not maybe family or anything it's just it maybe could, it could be family it could be any it could be it could be at any it could be family maybe i'll just use antimayan's example maybe mm. family. yes well you know that maybe just by by default, you just find yourself in those kind of environment that is not really something. What's the wisdom to cut away from those places where you know this, the table being set or the kind of communion that you're being tried they try to drag you into is more like um, it's not really what you you know that you should be surrounded by. Okay, so. okay. I think Antimayan again. Uh, Hello, Ma. I think your hand is up, or Uncle John. No, sorry, sir. No, okay. I'm done, sir. All right, all right. I thought you raised your hand again. I think, yeah. You didn't put down the. Okay. So, Benji, you said work as well, I guess. Um... Okay. Hello? Yes, Benji. Yes, sir. I was just adding to um what. Everyone was asking, especially Daniel. Yes, sir. Um, yes, sir. Yes, sir. So I, I just added work as okay. well. Okay. Yes, sir. Yes, okay. Um, thank you so much. All right. Any other question? 
from anyone else. <clears throat> um, good evening, Pastor. I think I have yes, good evening. Another question to just um I guess um as Antimine asked that question, it just opened up another question mm. um based, I guess, um around that that part. Um I hope I can paint it well. <clears throat> um the question is more um, you know. Uh, we are seeing now that, you know, there is a fellowship we ought to have, you know, um, amongst, you know, those who you are joining with, right, based on the table that is available. But yes. how how do you combat this or how or what do you do when it seems like within that fellowship there is maybe you don't feel like you belong kind of thing or um, maybe you like there's certain expectations that you have based on, oh, you know, word is coming out that we should be meek, we should be humble, and we should be, you know, but it doesn't seem like that word, like you're not seeing it amongst the brethren in court, right? And so in a way you're, you feel um, ostracized in a sense, right? Mm. Concerning that and then, of course, trust the enemy. He then starts bringing doubt that can impede you flowing with mm. that with that flock, you know, and you actually gaining the life of the thing that you should be walking in. I don't know if <laughs> if that if I really think yes. you know, yeah. but you know, what do you do in those instances where you know there's a certain fellowship you're partaking of, but by reason of enemy and by reason of certain things that you see, you're not able to, and so you are pulling back away. Yes, sir. Okay. So you're saying that that feeling of not belonging is maybe I guess for any other reason, but maybe especially if the person feels that they are, um, they are weaknesses or faults mm, yes sir but um people yes sir yes okay. okay thank you jesus mm. Praise God. Um, all right. Okay. Is there any more question? Thank you, Jesus. All right, so um, let's just open the Bible. So I will just, um, as I'm led, I will just be going through some things. Uh, we thought that the Holy Spirit will answer um, these questions that we have. Um, let's open 
Philippians. Thank the Father. Glory to God. Let's see Philippians. Let's see chapter 4. Philippians 4. Um, from verse 1. It says, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown. So stand in the Lord, my dearly beloved. <clears throat> Let's see, sorry, chapter 2. Let's read from chapter 2, verse 1. Um, that if there be any consolation in Christ, right? If any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem order better than themselves. Amen. I'm sorry, just give me one second, please. Sorry. Amen. Um, okay. Yes. So if um, let nothing be done through strife of vain glory, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem the other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Praise God. Um, so this is, I, I guess this is just um, speaking about the the mind of fellowship. It goes on to now talk about the, the mind of Christ, right? I let this mind be in you, 
which was also so it goes into detail to speak about the the exact mind which is the mind of christ right and and explained the mind of christ uh, let's just read on who being in the form of god thought it not robbery to be equal with god but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of his servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man he humbled himself and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross glory to god um i think there's just something i, I perceive which um even from the questions that have been asked today and um, also just the burden what is in my heart um and there's something the lord would like to maybe just talk to us about um centered around the all the being aware and being um empowered being um being prepared being empowered being fortified um to deal with and to fight against the things the designs for the breaking of fellowship so the 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 power the wisdoms the devices of the enemy that he, for against fellowship but the things that he will want to use to break fellowship um that we will have to be fortified against those things and so we'll have to know them we'll have to be aware of them we'll have to um because the wisdom the bible says wisdom is a defense right wisdom is stronger better than even than weapons of war it's actually a, a tool of defense when you're wise concerning something that's the best way to defend against it so this is an area of wisdom to keep fellowship um we have to be very very wise and knowledgeable about the enemies bible says you should not be ignorant of the um devices of the devil of the enemy praise god so when we uh, so and the reason is because fellowship like since based on the background of of the whole teaching of the whole chapter for how many weeks the pastor taught it and also our conversation last week is clear it should be clear to everybody the level like where to put fellowship in your hierarchy of importance you can start realize that that's the most really the most important thing right that this wisdom of fellowship is actually the lord's design both for you to 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 keep the your new birth which is salvation of your spirit and also to help you move on into the salvation of your soul and your body that there's a lot in this thing called fellowship fellowship of course with one another and with god that that a lot depends on the wisdom wisdom and of fellowship and the continuity of fellowship the the health of fellowship that every believer must be healthy in terms of the institution of fellowship where you are how you are positioned in fellowship with the body fellowship with god around wherever you are placed the table he has placed you in of communion and also in the spirit uh, together with the saints and in all of these cadres and, la and layers that your health as a christian is directly tied to the 
for your prosperity in in fellowship. So you see why the enemy will do a lot to fight against it, and why he will have so many different kind of devices, all manner of things, all kinds of beings who are who the enemy has raised, fallen angels with their all kind of wisdom that are you know fighting sometimes when we're having challenges in fellowship. You know, you just think it's just a little, oh, I'm just having a little thing, my brother. We just don't agree. Just a minor fight. We are fighting just a little trouble. If they open your eye to see the spirit behind that thing, the kind of beings that fallen angel who they, who can be sent to just sow a little thing, just to do it, just to break, you know, things that end up growing to a point of damaging fellowship and to, to remove a person. They don't start big, they start small. And and the even the kingdom of darkness, they also obey the law of sowing and reaping. Right? Because as long as the earth remains, as long as you are dealing with an earth, you can't operate with an earth outside that law. God is used, is bound to the law of sowing and reaping. That's the, what he used to develop his people to, to reap from the earth, like the husbandman, right? Who waited for the precious fruit. It means the husbandman, who is God, must obey that law of sowing and reaping. Why? Because he's dealing with an earth. Your soul is a type of an earth to start with. So they have to obey that law. Same thing that the kingdom of darkness, they must obey that same law. So they are also kind of husband men. They so think when the devil wants to remove a person from a place of fellowship, from the position of fellowship, from a, a, a where the Lord has situated them in the body spiritually, they don't come with a mighty tornado afresh like that. It doesn't often work like that. If the if the plan is for it to be accomplished in five years from now, ten years from now. They can start sowing the seed today. They are they are husbandmen. They sow tiny seed, little things in the heart. That's why Hebrews was talking about that evil heart of unbelief that it should be aware lest there be in you. I know if if faith can be as small as a mustard seed, unbelief will not be different from faith. There can also be mustard seed of unbelief too. Which can be sown tiny, just one, only two things just sown in the heart. And if the heart where that thing is sown in doesn't have the wisdom to fight against such things, to make war against such a seed, that seed can take root, it can take ground, it can begin to grow before it's a little plant. After a while, it becomes a tree. After some time, it begins to, when the, sometimes when we begin to manifest fully, when the person begins to display a manner of things, you don't know when that seed has been sown. And at that time, it might be even more, it might be almost too late for even maybe the pastor to intervene or for something. You know, and such things have been known to happen. And it has happened. Just someone will just make a decision, just do something. I say, bye bye, I'm going <laughs> take off. It, does, it doesn't happen in one day. Yes. So it means that that heart has been fought with, that heart has been made, has been warred against for a long time. In the in the invisible, by um, invisible seeds. So these are some of the things that I'll trust the Lord will give wisdom about. To know who is very good for you as a believer. It's not good for you to be under siege and not know. It's not good for you 
for you to be, for your heart, for your defenses to be warred against. And you, it's like maybe in Canada, maybe Russia just sends ships or whatever to, and, and Canada is not aware. And then the ships dock on the, on the shores, let's say maybe in the Atlantic shore, and then just begin before you know, soldiers have already inf infiltrated the homeland and they're already moving way into the defenses and the government is not aware. By the time the government becomes aware, it might become too late, right? So part of defense is that you have to, there has to be a sensitivity in the heart to tell when things which are not of God, thoughts that are not of God, um, spirits that are not of God, that are against fellowship, when they begin to be sown into your heart, and it only take wisdom to discern. And now, about breaking of fellowship, you can't, we can't deal with it without going to the root. You know, in the Bible, the first person who broke fellowship, the first place where fellowship was broken was in heaven. Right? That was where the, the breaking of fellowship came from. That attitude, that nature, that, that, um, that action, that seed of breaking fellowship, of going away, that thing was Satan. Was the first person he invented it in heaven he did it he, he taught angels to do it all those angels who fell with him they all broke fellowship they were all aligned in a, a certain array of fellowship in the heavens in the spirit about satan invented a virus something that when he so when he fires that virus into the heart of a, a thing a living thing that virus can incubate there and begin to stay there and begin to grow. Who knows how long he spoke to the to seraphims, right, and all of God's works in place of dominion for them to begin to, before they got to a point where they began to make decisions to leave God. So Satan is, and you see it's the same thing when he came to the earth, came to, 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 to Eden, he brought the same thing. You saw the, when men began to respond to his seed, it resulted in the breaking of fellowship. You saw Cain doing that, right? Cain broke fellowship um, in Genesis and then departed from, from the presence of God. But we know that we've studied this over and over again, right? That, you know, say Cain went out from the presence of the Lord, Genesis 4, and dwelt in the land of North, the east of Eden. But we know that that breaking away was because of deeds in his heart. Right, we say because where you slew your brother, right, that is the the, and you see that. Say wherefore slew him, because his deeds were evil. So, so if you want to to trace that fellowship, we have to look at there certain kind of um. That's First John chapter three, not as Cain, or verse twelve, not as Cain, who was of that wicked one. And slew his brother, and wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. His own were evil, and his brothers were righteous. So, because of that, he slew his brother. Mm -hmm. So, um, Satan, you see, he attribute of um that you can things you can discern from 
these men who broke fellowship um, right from the beginning. Um, Satan, his own, we know his own conversation was about himself. He began to to see himself. Let us see, let us see, um, uh, let's start from the height. Let's start from the angelic. Let's just see, um, um, this is Isaiah 14, 13. This one, this one is true still, right? This is, uh -huh, but I, I, I think the point where he began to say this might not even be, have been the point well, this is what he's saying now. He wants to ascend now, right, through all the realms. But there's a thought in his heart right from the beginning, from whence he fell. Um, if you go to Ezekiel 28, let's see that one. Ezekiel 28. Son of man take up a lamentation upon the king of Iros and say unto him, that's verse 12, say unto him, that said, Thus said the Lord God, thou sealest of the psalm, full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God, every precious stone was thy covering, the sardius, topaz, diamond, burial, onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, the carbuncle, and gold, the workmanship of thy tablets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. I said, Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. I have said this so. Thou was upon the holy mountain of God. Thou walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou was perfect in thy ways from the day that thou was created. So you see, everything they're speaking of before now talks about positioning. This is one thing you have to know about God. And every if you know this, a lot of people who are having all kinds of troubles, of instability, is because of just a basic thing about God that we don't know. It's just that God is not a God is not a confused fellow. He doesn't do things anyhow. Everything that God that appears in the economy of God, has a place. That's one thing you must know about God, that everything that exists in the economy of God, including all his creatures, has a place. There is a concept of placement. There is no random roaming variable in God's sense, in God's eyes. Anything that does not have a place is it's in error. It's in, it's not, um, it's an anomaly to God. Every being, every creature, everything has a place, including beginning with all the angels, you see. Everything that they are describing here, apart from talking about his make, his design, right? They now began to speak of where God set him, that I have set thee so. Then he talk, talk about his position that was upon the holy mountain of God. And then that walked up and down in the midst. So you see that walking up and down was a function. God set him in a place and gave him a function. So the, the angels had their fellowship. And this entity, Lucifer, had his own place where God put him. 
in that fellowship. And verse 15 says that thou was perfect in thy ways from the day. So the reason I'm saying this, and I feel to emphasize this, is everybody mm, don't have, it's not healthy for you to have sort of a roaming mind. You know, there's a kind of way one can have a roaming mind where is a is a is a is an inordinate desire for freedom, or is a type of freedom that does not exist in this in the psychology of God, right? That that freedom of flowing. You can maybe you can. Ah, I'm just here for now. Ah, I'll just let me just stay here and pick what I want, or let me just you know that kind of. It's an attitude. I don't I don't have the words to describe it, but I know what I'm talking about. It's, it's an it's an error of nature. Some some. Christians have such a nature where the where the the nature rebels against the, the concept of placement in God. And that's where that's where the rebellion against submission comes from. Because submission is done, is based on placement, is that God will say, This is where I want you to be. And you have to stay in this place and be placed in here. So I pray that if anyone has such struggles, such such issues, the Lord will bring healing. Healing waters will flow. Healing balm will flow into every heart that has such a disturbance about placement. Everyone must know where God has placed them. So he said, I've said this. So he said, that was perfect in thy ways from the day that God, that thou was created until iniquity was found. So this iniquity that was found in him, we can tell that the result of this iniquity. So this iniquity was, if they say iniquity was found, there's a feeling about these words that the, the Holy Ghost used to talk about this. It's almost saying as if he was not filled with iniquity in one day. Or maybe he was just all white, and then one morning God just woke up and saw kind Lucifer, white Lucifer has become black and is about to live with all my angels. No, he was... <laughs> There was something, it was, it, it must have been, who knows, it might have been the, the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, who searched inwards of creatures, who before whose eyes all things are naked. You know, maybe he just, he's just doing his normal inventory of natures, which maybe the Holy Ghost takes inventory of, of beings and all that. Maybe just moving through the heart of Lucifer. Maybe he just found in one corner something that, something, strange and a strange thought, a strange idea. That's the feeling I get about this this word when it says until iniquity was found. It means it might have been in the process of a regular search, right, where iniquity was found somewhere in the heart, right? So iniquity was found in Satan's heart. You know, the Bible speaks says that if one, if I regard iniquity, if a man regards iniquity in his heart, he will not prosper, right? That um, regarding of iniquity uh, means that the heart can be filled with many things good, but it's possible that iniquity can find a ground in a heart that is filled with good things. So there has to be a wisdom to be able to detect when such a thing is happening. So let's begin to see, because of iniquity, verse 16, by the multitude of thy merchandise they have then filled the mist of thee with violence are you seeing the difference between verse 15 and verse 16 that 
he wasn't they didn't just find violence he wasn't just filled with violence or he didn't begin to he didn't violate everything at once it was first iniquity it might have been as a mustard seed it might have been a tiny thing that was developed in him maybe a thought maybe just an idea but maybe he didn't he couldn't overcome it he just was there inside his heart and he allowed it he must have given it a ground to stay to incubate and while that thing was there and this was so it means that lucifer with all his wisdom right he could manufacture something like this on the inside of himself and when iniquity was found in him what he began to do that that was that iniquity now triggers merchandising so how do you make something more let's say you have one dollar you want to make one dollar two dollars what do you do you have to go into merchandising merchandising it means buying and selling it means that's how you you convert one dollar into two dollar you have to do a trade with it right you have to you have to do some kind of trade some kind of traffic so that thing of merchandise the multitude of thy merchandise right is merchandising is a way to increase something that is there that if you if something is there like this thing called iniquity and sin right what that one thing about sin iniquity is that it it doesn't just stay dormant it actually seduces the heart to do market with it but like if you have it so that's why they will tell you that for the wages of sin is dead why such language why wages of sin <laughs> because wages comes from your merchandise when you when you do buying and selling with sin then it will pay you 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 get paid with it right so um so when iniquity is found in the heart it will begin to cause um trafficking right by the multitude of thy merchandise, it says they have filled the midst of thee with violence. So the word violence there, violence is not fighting, right? It's not maybe Satan just began to fight angels and all. That's not what violence. The word violence means to violate, to violate an order. To violence means to go outside a defined order. That's what, so that's what, merchandising of iniquity produces the tendency to violate the tendency to violate means to leave an order to violate an established order right says i will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of god and i will destroy you covering cherub from the midst of stone of fire thy heart was lifted up because of thy beauty thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness i will cast thee to the ground I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. Verse 18 it says, Thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thine iniquities. So you see, at first iniquity was found, then iniquity was merchandised, right? Which increased violence. He filled his midst with violence, right? And because of that increase, then verse 18 now says, Multitude of thy iniquity so for iniquity to become multitude it must have multiplied and then so 
the multitude of thy iniquity is by the iniquity of thy traffic. The word trafficking is almost also like merchandising. He became a trafficker, right? He, he, he created a whole economy in heaven. Of course, so he began to traffic, he began to elicit other angels who can also show, do buying and selling with him. And so that is what they describe here is also another type of fellowship that began to, to that began fellowship of iniquity. And where angels, maybe Lucifer with seraphims, they began to traffic in wrong thoughts, in wrong ideas, in iniquity. And where every time traffic of iniquity happens, iniquity will multiply. Every time traffic of wrong thought occurs, that to traffic wrong thought means every, every time you can, you can bring cause souls to fellowship around a wrong thought, that thing will multiply. So for him to have transactions to have merchandising, it means that he had to employ other angels who would traffic in the same thing for the purpose of multiplication. That's why they say, do not be, be deceived that evil communication corrupts good manners, right? When they are good manners, if you want to corrupt them, take evil and begin to communicate. When they say communicate, to communicate means actually to fellowship right is a type of communion to communicate evil communication right corrupt corrupts good manners so when you have evil communication it means you are communing with something that is evil right it's a kind of traffic and when that's being done what will happen is if any man manners that are good will begin to turn bad so if good is turning bad it means bad is multiplying Bad is increasing. So this, what you actually, what is being described here in this chapter is actually the wisdom of against fellowship. Everything, when you see enemy wants to break fellowship, this is the, this is the pattern. This is the, how it occurs. This is where it starts from. This is how it will start with something being sown in the heart of someone. There's always an incubator. There's always, every time a person takes something that is that is a wrong seed of the enemy and then keeps it in the heart and does not deal with it but then that thing will begin to talk to you and oftentimes the urge you feel when you is a wrong seed comes is the urge to share it the urge to tell somebody maybe you have a grievance or something that enters your heart that is speaking against what god is doing against the order, against the existing fellowship in the spirit or even in the physical, and it comes into the heart. Any believer who is not equipped to quench such fire, to remove such a seed, if you keep it in your heart, what you will find is you will begin to find the need to communicate it. You'll find the need, and that communication is what we call merchandising, right, or traffic. He calls it traffic in verse 18. He called it merchandising in verse 16, right? So just, so anytime they will put something in your heart, a bad feeling, and you know it's bad, and you begin, ah, let me just share it with this, bro. Let me just say that feeling, just know that you are doing what Satan, you are, you are, you are following a satanic pattern, a Luciferian pattern, 
which is a traffic and heaven sees those things. Amen. And a lot of us have done, even everybody, I know me but I've done it at a level. Every Christian has done this thing at a level, mostly in ignorance, right? Because we don't know what we are doing because we are ignorant about, about these laws. But these laws are there. Praise God. So let's read that verse 18 again. It says, Thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries. The word sanctuaries means things that were holy, right? Things maybe that the that were kept holy, but by multitude of thine iniquities, by the iniquity of thy traffic, since therefore will I bring forth a fire from the midst of thee, shall devour thee, and I will bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of them that behold thee. Praise God. Um, so this is um, one thing um, to note. Mm. That um, the um, the the enemy here wasn't able to deal with what was found in him. Because of that, he yielded to it. He began to traffic with it, and by trafficking with it, um, he was able to pull many to multiply it when you traffic with something bad it will multiply and it will take over um in the case of Cain, what you see from from Cain's case now let me just stay here just a little bit more um i feel like there's something that the lord i want to say um there is in that first Corinthians 15, let's see first Corinthians 15. First Corinthians 15, 33. Praise God, it says. Um, let's see from verse 32. If after the manner of men I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what advantage it me? If the dead rise not, let us eat and drink for tomorrow. So this chapter, I will know who he was dealing with some wrong, some errors, right? And some doctrines which, um, which were, which began to come in. Praise God. Um, after he had preached. Amen. Thank you. I don't want to waste. I don't want to waste time. Glory to God. You know, this thing about resurrection and all of that, we know. That in, that's the context of 1 Corinthians 15, that some people came in, which the enemy brought, and he gave them tongue to, to speak against resurrection. Right? That thing called the resurrection of the dead. That was a core doctrine of Paul. Right? So, and the purpose of those, that kind of doctrine, or what they were teaching, was to break people away from fellowship at the table which the Lord Jesus had given to Paul to share food. 
on. And they did damage to, to some people. So Paul had to come again to remind them about this key thing about, about the resurrection. So those men are who he, he was calling beasts, those type of beings, right? Who say, I fought with beasts at Ephesus. What advantage did it be if the dead rise not? Let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Verse 33, be not deceived. Evil communications, evil fellowship, evil communication, evil fellowship, corrupt good or evil communion. Communications is communion. Evil communion, corrupt good manners. Right? And uh, I wait to righteousness and see not for some have not the knowledge of God, I speak to this, to your shame. Amen. Now, let me just to say something important about that, this communion. That thing called that Lucifer, I believe at some point he began to share his thoughts with other angels, but that's not where the communion started. I, I believe before he got to a point to share with other angels, he, he has already communed in, him, in himself. You know, David spoke about, I commune with my own heart. In the Psalms, right, there is communion, first of all, starts within because the soul is a type of body on its own. The soul, why? Because the soul has members. Paul taught concerning members, right, in uh, when he was speaking about war on the inside of him in First Corinthians, sorry, in Romans chapter 7, speaking about law, after he finds another law inside his members, right, and all of those things, they're telling you portions of himself that members within the soul, um, and the soul is full of members, that's why the soul does not fully agree with something at once. When a, a person's heart is holding a thought and you are fighting, that thought is disturbing you in your heart. You are, something is fighting against it, but it's fighting back. The reason is because your soul is made of, of many members, right? It is for... It, God made the soul like that for resilience. That's why it wasn't easy to kill the whole soul, right? It, it's not easy to fully kill man in one day. Not that it's easy to save him in one day is because that man inside the soul is a type of a church, right? It's that has many members. It means you must convert for every truth. You must convert all the members, many members. So some are easily converted, some are not easily converted. So when a seed is sown into the heart, it will start small, but it, it will begin to do that work of conversion, converting members within the soul. He wants to take over a critical mass of the soul to push the person into an action, to take an action, a decision against what they ought to do. So that inward communion starts inwardly first. When a wrong thought, a wrong idea that is against fellowship, or against what God has ordained, when it comes into the heart, it will start there, but communion is to make it multiply on the inside. So what it calls here, evil communication, I know there's a way we have seen this verse with our normal, just normal reading, and we've seen it as maybe talking evil with one another, which, as I said before, is an aspect of it, right? That when you communicate wrong things to each other, then you can corrupt the other person's manner. Or if you are if you are good, you hear an evil guy talk, he can corrupt your manner. That's also true because things can flow from members of one church to members of another church. <laughs> you know, that's how things can flow that way. But first of all, it's within. I'm talking of this, think of this evil communication as communication within your own heart that 
evil, when you notice there's an evil, the heart must be wise on how to stamp it out and reduce communication, even within your heart, right? To, to stop a, a bad thought, there are wisdoms in God and powers in God to heal a wrong seed, to kill a wrong thought, and to stop the communication with the thought. This communication is a type means how do you how does communication happen within a person's heart? Is by that inward meditation. When you are meditating on something, you are allowing the members of your soul to talk to each other and to allow members who are stronger in that thought to convince weaker members. That's part of what we're talking about on Saturday, what, what to do with the word, when you get the word, when you stay with the word, the reason why you meditate on the word. Even when you've read the Bible, you understand the scripture, you understand the message, but you stay on it, that you must stay. The reason why you are doing, like I said, is so that faith can arise, right? When the heart has fallen into belief is when enough members of the soul have been convinced, right? Why, when the members who hold it more strongly must convince the other members who approach it a different way, right? So that's inward communication. Um, so if the same thing that can happen with righteous thought can also happen with evil thought or seeds that are meant to abound to cause the, the breakage of, of fellowship, right? So, and this is um, something that the Lord will um, want us to to really deal with, right? Um, so this is the, the most important part we find when it comes to um, taking us away, breaking of fellowship um, is the is the is to have to gain the wisdom that stops evil communication both within your person and evil communication with others is a wisdom that deals with evil communication or you can call it trafficking you can call it merchandising um that is the key i don't know if anyone understands i'm trying to rush it because of time but i, I just hope that what i've said has really really landed here that that this is the key this is the if you want to say how does how does satan break fellowship is by you say ah what of Cain? Um, Cain didn't have anybody he was coming with. No, he had. He had members in his soul. When he was talking about your because your works are evil, your deeds are evil. Remember, you have to trace it back to sin, knocking at his door, right? That door is the door of the heart. The same way Jesus would stay at the door of the heart and be knocking and be knocking and be talking. He's talking about the negotiation that goes on the inside of the heart that will eventually lead to a breaking away, right, of fellowship, right? So this thing is the wisdom against this kind of communication occurring. Now, do you steal a wrong thought? How do you stop a wrong thought? How do you stop a wrong traffic, a wrong merch merchandising? When it comes into the heart, that is the wisdom. Anybody who doesn't have, who is not wise in this way will fall prey to things 
that will eventually break such a fellow from from fellowship. Right now, questions were asked about um, maybe distancing oneself from people who torment our work, and you know, maybe those who make jests of us, maybe biological family, um, people who are who are close to us, <laughs> and then also. Like Benji also asked, maybe in a converse, in a setting where um, maybe something makes you have to be there, I guess, maybe at work or something. Um, like, what's the what's the wisdom of dealing with that situation? Um, there are some things you have to realize answering this question. Um, that's and that comes down to what I'm saying, what I was just sharing before. We can never. That concept of Jesus, that which he taught in um, John chapter 17, will always stand, which is, there will always be a sense in which the Lord will want us to not be taken away from the world, but also be, but be kept from the evil. Right? When you say world here, world just means world <laughs> but our world manifests is by the systems and the people so when they say that i pray not that thou should take them away out of the world what is saying that i'm not saying you should just remove them yank them out from the systems that are in the world and then the people who have the world in them the spirit of the world in them who run the system and who are using that system to live. So what he's saying is that you will always be in one way or form or the other, right? You will always have some kind of interface with the world. And um, like in Sister and Mayan's question and Benji and all, when you are seeing someone is making jest of you against your faith, who is it's not a person. <laughs> and like we've gotten to a point where we don't regard any man after the flesh anymore. We know no man after the flesh. We know we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, you know, the rulers of darkness of this world, spiritual. Those are entities in the spirit. And what do those entities do? They have their product is the world. Right? It's the world unseen. Right. So anytime someone is making jest of you, someone is talking against your fate, talking against your work, it's clear that it's it is something in them that's talking, right? It's a program in them. It's a spirit in them. It's that thing called the world, right? In them, that's the one that is talking, that is that is speaking against you. So if it's the world speaking, then you know that also your life um, also follows this, um, must also obey this principle where, God might not want to just remove you away from them or to yank you away from them, right? Um, in some cases, it might actually be difficult or almost impossible to do that, right? And in some cases, it might be possible to do or easy to do, but that might not even be the will of God in case of maybe a workplace or something where it's easy for you to just quit, um, it might not be God's will for you to just quit your job. Um, uh, sometimes it can be, right? Sometimes it can be, but oftentimes when 
the Lord might be asking you to quit. It's not, it, it will have to be in a situation maybe where, um, where you are, they, they, you don't have the wisdom. You don't have the, the wisdom, the, the defense tools, the defense wisdom of being kept, right? Or the, you don't have enough of the wisdom to, to deal with at that level, that level of hostility against your heart, against what you believe in. Right? Sometimes when you are in a situation when you don't have enough in you to deal with that, there can be an instruction in that season. It's a kind of an infancy season where you don't have what it takes to be kept from the evil. And the Lord can give instruction and to or bring dealings that should separate you for that season um, from that level of exposure to something that's against what you believe. Um, but um, what the ideally that principle of John 17 is the overriding principle, which is that um, we need to be capacity for being in the world, but being kept. Right now, I've explained what this world is. It is talking of what is inside those fellows talking against your faith, talking. So it's not just the people. You must, first of all, you must be mature enough first to see beyond people. <laughs> That's the first thing, to know that it's spirits you are warring against, not flesh and blood. And then, then the question now is, do you have enough in you to, to have defenses or to be kept from the what those spirits, the, the effect that that kind of you know hostility against what you believe is trying to produce in your heart, which can be discouragement. It can also be an avenue to sow seed. Satan can use such uh, um, a situation to sow a seed into the heart that can now become something that will stay there. After a while, you begin to meditate on all the things that you've said, and before you know it, you begin to do traffic with it. You begin to merchandise with it. Before you know it, communion has happened, and your members begin to get converted. You know, and before you know it, reaction attitude they get towards the world, towards the fellowship, towards communion begins to change, right? So um, that's why the answer to this is not even if there can be a situation where there's an instruction to cut off, which can happen because maybe you are not, there's a huge danger, you are not equipped yet to deal with it. But the long-term solution is to for the Lord to bring that equipment, right? And to be honest with you, this is the whole point of salvation. If you want to see how is salvation, if you want to follow the Bible, let's say the book of Hebrews, for example. You know, all that Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, was warring against, was fighting, was the devices against fellowship, right? That's the context of the book of Hebrew. It's just a deception of the enemy that wanted to break those entities. See, for which time you ought to be teachers. The other one teach you again, which be the first principles and of the oracles of God, and I become such as have need of milk and of and not of strong meat. You are seeing something has begun to happen here with their table, right? And that's like we said last week, anytime fellowship is being attacked, 
it will come around the relationship with the table. You can see they got, got to a point where graduation in the oracles, in the tables, wasn't happening. Rather, it's as if they wanted to fall back, as if they have need of me. It means there was something operating with this church, and it's a seed that the enemy was trying to sow here. This is what produces dullness of hearing. So of whom we have many things to say, but now you have you are dull of hearing. Right? That dullness of is a sign that there's some, or something began to walk in them to break away from fellowship. Right? That thing it is he described it later in the other chapter as an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. These are the issues that this Hebrew church, you know, was having. And so I will also know the book of Hebrew, what the, the antidote to this thing is the unveiling of salvation and the profession, the profession of salvation, which is what the book of Hebrew now began to focus on, unveiling the, the person of salvation, the heavenly ministry, the ministry of salvation, right? So that, that will tell you that the definition of salvation is actually to, is to get to a state where fellowship can no longer be broken. That's actually what the, the salvation of your soul really is. That's the definition of salvation of your soul. Is that to, when your soul has been fully saved, when a person's soul has been fully saved, is when a person has got into a state, a quality of the soul, where that moves beyond the point where salvation can no longer be broken. What we call eternal salvation is that like the eternal beings of god we know the eternal god right those beings who came from eternity we know how where they came from that there's something that binds them that's what makes them salvation they call they are called salvation because of the strength of their cord of fellowship is an eternal cord Right, that's what binds those beings. That nothing can break into. There's nothing you can go and sow into the Godhead <laughs> that can break their fellowship. There's nothing that can. And then when they raised Jesus of Nazareth, they raised him into that fellowship. He came to that same level where nothing can, nothing can be sown anymore. So they they move beyond fellowship being broken. That's the definition of salvation. That's the whole point of our walk. You see that. Um, so, so the truth is that the honest truth is that we ought everybody, it is a desire of God for you to grow to a point where nothing can be done again against your the truth you carry, but for the truth that you have. Where nothing can, that was Romans chapter 8, began to explain that last part of what can separate us. You know, he spoke about the love that is in Christ Jesus. Then I spoke about the love of God. And I began to speak of absoluteness, right? We go to the, the one about the love of God. That what can separate us from the, the love of God, right? And I said, for I'm persuaded, right? That for I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, verse 39, right? Nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature. This includes your family members. This includes your co-workers. All the, unless they are, they are types of creatures, that all of them are in here, that you can get to a point where nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is, so these are a state of, the, of, of fellowship, and this is a desire for And this, this is the reason why we are growing. 
that we have to get to the point where um, um, that where nothing can separate us. So if you are in a place where you feel a mortal danger about maybe family still talking against you and all that, it's, it's okay that if the Lord can advise you, okay, keep some distance from now because you are not strong enough. But that that is also a sign of a state in salvation that there is still a lot of deficiency. Why? Because of um, there are things that that is a sign that the soul has not been fully fully saved yet. Right. So it means that there is still work to do in terms of the fortification of the soul against right the breaking the the breaking of fellowship um so i don't know how best to answer the reason why this question like the question from antimine and daniel is not that easy to give just a clear you know specific answer is because it's, it's very subjective and the answer can be different for different people right for somebody who is undergoing hostility about your faith from family for that person the answer can be that you are not strong enough be wise you're not strong enough stop talking about your faith with them just use wisdom <laughs> you know just when they greet you greet them talk on their level on their ground how are you how's work work was nice what are you doing in work are you ah what are they promoting you ah i'm trying to i'm working towards that promotion god will help me you know there's a way you use wisdom no, don't go and start saying, well, you know, this uh, this world, you know, we, uh, we're not going after earthly crown. We're, you know, you can start talking like that to your friend. We think what's wrong with you. And then that's where sometimes this kind of, um, by how we talk sometimes, you can invite, you can foolishly invite some kind of, um, some kind of an attack against what we believe in. If we don't have the wisdom, there's a wisdom of hiding. Right, which is um, when it comes to fellowship at the, the initial level, when there's still tenderness, infancy, you find that there's a great wisdom of hiding. You see it even in living things, right? A child is hidden in the womb, in the most delicate, when it's at the most delicate level, when it's a tiny fetus, when it's, it's not open to the whole world, not every, you can't even see it. To see it, you have to use ultrasound, but you can't even see it fully. It's hiding. It's for protection, right? It's not on display, right? The womb is not hanging outside. The womb is on the inside. Even when the child is born, you have to wrap the child in swaddling clothes, like they wrapped the king of glory, right? In a manger, they kept him, hid him. At some point, all of heaven began to sound alarm concerning Jesus to instruct Joseph, to run away with him when the king was looking for him. is a wisdom of hiding, wisdom of protection. They didn't say, we don't care, he's the king of glory, let anybody come, we are ready for death. That heaven is not like that. You know, so, so there's that wisdom too, right? You know, that's so they won't kill the baby, right? So when you are an infant, even in the spirit, while you are growing, you are still weak. You, you know your faith is still weak. How do you know? Even you, your own thought, you're not fully convinced about what you're believing in. How? So that's the time for you to know that. Don't expose yourself to your family members, your parents. <laughs> you understand? So you hide. There's a season where you hide your conviction in your heart. You still keep it in your heart. In an inverse, it's the wisdom of protection. That's why you have a cradle for a baby. 
right? When you are going, you don't you don't send. I don't. I can't take ever or Zera. I say Zera, can you go outside or, or by yourself? Go and play or go and no. I have to go with her older hand. I have to. It's protection season. There will be a season where I will prepare her. Part of my role as her father is to prepare her for the world. And there will be a time when I have done that job very well. And I would part of the the way I would, my scorecard as a father will be marked is that I can send my child out into the world and I don't have to follow them every single place because all the wisdom of defense has been built in her and she can go into the world and be kept from the evil that is out there, right? So that's the goal. But before that goal is reached, there has to be a sense. It's almost a negotiation. When she's getting to maybe teenage years, she begin to negotiate with me. Daddy, I need to go here. I need to go and do sleep over here. I need to go here. I'll begin to gauge it. Ah! I'll say, wait, I'll tell you later. I'll go and pray. Let the Lord talk to me. Can this girl go this place by herself? Is it time? I have to sense that and know, okay, you can go for this one. The other one, don't go. I'll tell you, your auntie will follow you or your uncle will follow you, right? There's that wisdom when you are growing, right? So this is a very subjective answer. Um, that, that's also why the concept of submission is involved, is important. Why sometimes you might feel you are very ready, like a teenager wants to go out into the world and be their own person, but the parents might know there's something about you that's not fully developed. If you meet one kind of being out there, they will take advantage of you. And you might not be aware of such beings. So I have to tell you, don't go, you understand. So when you are in submission, sometimes these are things, when you are close in submission, sometimes that wisdom can come from above you. So, okay, this is how you deal with your parents. Okay, don't tell them that now. Don't say it this way. If you are not sure, ask. Should I tell them this one? Should I go here? Should, how should I do with this? Sometimes that wisdom of hiding is a major wisdom that the Lord brings to protect fellowship so that fellowship will not be broken. So it's not a direct answer. Uh, when it comes to your work, Benji, um, it's the same thing. Um, my, I had a situation like this. When I, this was actually not even Word of Righteousness season. This was before I encountered Word of Righteousness. This was around, um, around 20, 2009 or so. But I was going, I was a student. I went to Calgary. I'm sorry, there are over time, so I'll have to stop some. But I went to Calgary. I was schooling in Winnipeg, in University of Manitoba. But I, I, they used to pay more in Calgary then. So in the summer, I would just go there to work so I can make money for my tuition. So when I went there, I got a job at, um, this place is a, it's not construction, but it's a, the place where they dig out the rocks that they use for construction, like gravel and coal and all those rocks. They dig them out. They have giant plants where they crush the rocks into gravel. And then they, they have a, a conveyor belt that moves the, the rock and heaps them up and they sell them. So the job is, I was just a laborer. I was, my job is just constantly, it's a 12 hour job, just constantly shoveling rocks. That's all I do for, for if you see my biceps at that time, it was something to behold, you know, because of the, the kind of exercise. So it was a serious, tedious job, 12 hours. In fact, the job was crazy that, it used to take me two hours to get to the place because from one end of Calgary to the other and two hours to get back home. So I'm away from home about 16 hours every single day. 
So, but that job, when I got there, the guys who worked there and <laughs> the culture in some of those jobs is not the best. And those some of those guys are mean guys. And so they they realized that I was an engineering student and something about that made them angry. Because they are not, they didn't go to university. They're just guys who just are handymen, learned things on the job, some of them are mechanics or kind of things. And that's also you're an engineer. So so they felt they wanted to show me that that you're engineering in school is nothing. <laughs> it's nonsense. So um, we are the guys here. So because there's something about them towards me. So the way they, they spoke, they speak to me harshly, the words they use, the, you know, I, I can't I can't say the kind of thing that they say there. But at that point, I was faced with a decision to leave the job um, because of, you know, as a Christian, you, that's not the environment you are used to. Uh, I'm not used to that. I'm used to church people. Uh, so that was a shocker for me to be in that kind of environment where those guys, they're not born again. They just they swear, they curse, and they're harsh in their tone. Um, but the Lord instructed me um, that there's something about that, that I can stay there. There's a way I can walk there, but what they are doing will not be able to get into me. I will not be able to crush my spirit. Right. So, And the, the, the Lord gave me wisdoms about doing it. How to interact with them, and then the wisdom of you know listening to so when I'm there listening to messages instead of while they are saying something I'm not hearing them I'm just putting an ear because I'm just shoveling whatever so just simple but the key is that I didn't just make it brave do decision and say well I will stay here no matter what is that the Lord showed me what to do He showed me this is how you can walk in this place and your heart will be okay your soul will be okay right that wisdom is how to be kept. Right, what Jesus was saying, they will show you something that in this relationship, in this kind of situation, this is how you will be kept from this thing. It's, do it this way, talk in this way, hide in this way. That light of keeping, you have to expect it from the Holy Spirit. Know that that's something they supply when it, because they are very, very important. They are very, very careful about keeping your, your fellowship. So, but if you are checking, the wisdom is not coming. They are not showing any wisdom and you are receiving a bombardment and you know some things are landing in your heart that's fighting your fellowship, right? Uh, that's a sign where you have to begin to seek wisdom on what to do. If it's a job, there's no job on the earth that's worth, lose, that's worth losing your, your, your fellowship, losing your place over. If every time that job is firing I'm not saying they are discouraging you, or maybe you don't like what they are doing. I'm talking about where they are firing things into your soul that you have to, when you go home, you have to battle with them. You have to, they are fighting. And a lot of times, those things are not even insults. Insults can will not make you lose your fellowship. Sometimes a workplace that is as that us to fellowship can be a nice, clean place where everybody is clean. They speak good English. They have very very good morals they greet you they you know have good corporate culture you know our, our corporate corporate world can be like that but there can be a strong spirit of the world in such a place where they, they merchandise and traffic in ambitions traffic in all manner in images all kinds of things that when you go home instead of meditating on the things of the spirit you find yourself picking all kinds of things, ambition, desperations, uh, kind of things that, that will make you begin to question the life of the spirit. 
or to make that begin to downplay the value, the importance of the invisible and all of that, because there are some kind of jobs that can do that to you, right? Um, especially jobs that, that require a lot of brightness of the mind in this world. So sometimes it can be that kind of place. And sometimes Lord can tell you, look, if you continue walking here, this your, your mind will be transformed wrongly, right? And you might not have the wisdom to fight those kind of thoughts. Uh, so those are the things. These things take sincerity. There has to be a kind of sincerity of heart um, when it comes to, um, the, it's very subjective. So with the submission, being sensitive to the Holy Spirit, and then knowing what the, the actual goal of the Spirit is, which is to move us beyond a point where fellowship can be broken. The Lord can bring specific wisdom um, for individual situation um, about things like that. Um, so one more thing. I know I've gone over time. I've gone over time. Um, but one thing I would like to say um, about the, you know, I, I spoke about one aspect of uh, the Lord, the wisdom of protection, right? Which is the wisdom of in infancy stage, stage or is the wisdom of the management of exposure, right? Note that as a key thing from today, right? I, you know, that speaking of, of the wisdom itself, uh, of protecting fellowship is that thing of exposure. That's a key thing. There's a wisdom of exposure. Heaven manages the, the level of exposure every child, every infant is having to things in the world, thoughts that are in the world that can that can fight fellowship. And part of the reason of submission is to, to for there to be a way, is a, 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 a kind of wisdom or an arrangement to manage that exposure. It happened in the life of Jesus with all the disciples. At some point, Jesus told them, don't go out. Stay in Jerusalem first. Gather yourself together, right, until you are endued with some with power from on high. Like when Paul received revelation of Jesus, right, and all of that, he stayed with that. He didn't just go right away to start arguing with Peter and everybody. No, the Bible says that he, he conferred not with flesh and blood, Galatians, right? We went into Arabia for some season, for some years, so that, that he can be established in that truth before he began to engage with people, right? Because that's the wisdom of engagement, right? Which is very, very key for the keeping of fellowship. Um, the other part of it, which is very important, which was why I said we should read that. This one, I will not mention it for this. Um, the way I see it, we we'll have to talk again next week because these things are very important. Give us where the, the real wisdom is, and we won't be able to talk about this really at all. Um, so we'll have more time, and also there are questions which were not answered. So we, I don't think we are not rushing with the book. It's better for us to to gain the important things that we need to gain. Um, so we'll still discuss next week by God's grace. Um, uh, but if, if we read that Philippians 2 that we read, it says, If there be any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, it says, Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, 
of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also upon the things of another. So, one of the main wisdom of fellowship, of keeping fellowship and fighting against breaking of fellowship, is the wisdom of oneness of mind. Oneness of mind. And oneness of mind is brought about by an attitude. The attitude of not looking each one on his own things, but every man on the things of others. You see this thing that does describe here, this is the only thing that can stop trafficking, merchandising, communication of wrong thoughts, of seeds that are against fellowship. When a seed against fellowship is sown, in, it comes into the heart, that seed calls for attention. And it will call for attention, look upon me, consider me, consider this, consider me. You know, it's always something that has to do with your interest, something about your interest. to see, like Satan's the seed sown, the eye iniquity in Satan had to do with Satan's own interest. There's not talking about his own interest. He, he, he removed his gaze from others and began to meditate upon his own. That's where communion will, will break out on the inside. So it's a selfish communion, right, that occur from that food of communion, communing, communing on your own things. All manner of feelings will break out. All manner of offenses, all manner of things, right? Um, Michael spoke about that someone can have a feeling of not belonging, you know, when seated at a table, right? And then he spoke about maybe you're having, looking at faults in orders, all of those things. When we say fault in orders, <laughs> there is fault in orders is comes the discernment, the sin and the 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 weight, feeling the weight of weaknesses in others is tied to expectation in one's own self that there's something you you expect to come from others to satisfy something in you. And then when you are not feeling that thing, which you feel should come from others, that's when that, so it's think that thing, to start thing in you that want to be gratified or satisfied by the actions or the behavior of others, uh, that thing, the only solution is power must be given to the soul to look away from one's own expectation of being satisfied or being gratified in one way or other you are they should love me or they should do this for me or they should do that for me or they should something it is always something about you somehow 
right? Sometimes you might say, no, it's not about me. It's just the way they treated that other brother. No. The reason why you're concerned about it, the way they treated that other brother is because you feel that if they can treat that other brother that way, they can treat me that way. Or if this is something, that's just the truth. The spirits, are, they are elusive. But when it comes down to, the, to it, um, there's, it's, the, the thing is what makes a person uneasy at the seat of fellowship has to do, and this is the Bible, this is the Bible, it has to do with something in one's self that one is looking at. There's something in you you are looking at. There's something in you that you are expecting. There's something that something should be done for you that wasn't that's not being done, or something that should be catered to for you that's not being catered well, something you are expecting, right, from you. And so that's the key. And, and once you are you're not able to defeat the meditation, the looking upon, the, the word looking, the way you, you, you commune is by looking. When your heart is becoming angry, offended because of an expectation, either in the community or in that table of fellowship, that's not being met in that way, and you stay on it, you're not able to look away from it. If you can't look away from it, you are in trouble. You will begin to traffic in that thing. And thereby, after some time, like the Bible said concerning oh. Satan, you feel his mist with violence. That violence means you begin to have tendencies to violate things, to violate others, and to violate your position. I don't know. There's not enough time to do justice to this, but maybe by next time, the Lord will help us. The Lord will deal with any give wisdoms, um, because in this kind of season, like the Hebrew Church, like some of those churches, even Revelation, when it's the season of the Lord wants to begin to appear, um, you find that a lot of a lot of things right for to, to fight against the continuity of fellowship begin to arise. But the Lord will give us wisdom, and the Lord will give us grace to to deal with those things. Uh, amen. So, um, because of time, we'll just pray. Uh, we'll just pray, and uh, we'll we'll pick it up again next time. Father, we thank you. Let's just pray, everyone. I'll just give you a minute or so just to pray wherever you are in the spirit. Eresto, Elindo, Atalano, Let's just ask the Lord for to be kept. So let's just ask Lord, Lord, to begin to help us for. Whatever the wisdom we need, each of us. Don't nobody should assume I'm free from this thing. You know, don't assume oh, I'm the most faithful brother in this whole community. So this can't. No, don't don't even think about it that way. You don't know. Just ask the Lord. Lord, help me. I I need wisdom. Let light begin to come on on my inside and light, Lord, of wisdom. I will begin to identify seeds, things that the enemy has sown. He says, "Why men slept? That the enemy will came and sowed his own things. But anything." in my heart that has been sown, whose destination is to break fellowship, to break my fellowship, to shift me away from the place of fellowship. Lord, have mercy upon me. Have mercy upon my soul. Have mercy upon my heart. Heriate, orikasa marata, enfrante kalienzu breheno kosye, enfrono onti osa, o mercy. Every Everyone to have mercy. Have mercy, Lord. Have mercy on us. 
have mercy on us. Thank you, our Father. We give you glory. Uh, our Father, we thank you tonight. We bless your name. We honor you. We worship you. We, we thank you for today, for bringing this counsel forth tonight. Lord, I pray that it will be help to hearts. Lord, if there's any heart that doesn't fully see it, Lord, Spirit of God, take it, open it up more. Convince our heart of these things and let, Lord, the grace and the wisdom which you want to impart with such counsel, let it rest fully even in our heart that we will be kept as Jesus, you prayed that we won't be taken from the world, but our soul, our hearts will be kept from the evil. Keep every soul from the evil. Thank you, our Father. We give you all the glory and we bless your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.